Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Farsight Podcast. I'm Jonathan Hicks and I am joined this evening by my wife Lisa. Good evening Lisa. Hello again. And thank you very much for joining us again on the Farsight Podcast. You're welcome. No, it is absolutely (laughs) my pleasure. So we thought we'd uh, speak a little bit about uh, the law of games uh, tonight. There's always background in games and sometimes I find that the best games, no matter how good or awful or whatever about the system or how it plays is, sometimes the best games uh, are, are that way because of the wonderful lore that they have, the history, the backgrounds, the legends and myths building up to the time when you actually play the game. And there's obvious ones we can talk about as far as some of the D&D settings, uh, Warhammer, the Lord of the Rings settings of course of Middle-earth and the rich history that has. Uh, but I also want to talk about um, the lore of uh, the online and computer role-playing games, uh, World of Warcraft, Skyrim, uh, Dragon Age, all that sort of thing. The best. Yeah, and just how lore can actually enrich the universe that you're playing in, in the game. So, where would you like to kick off with this? I think it's, it's important to say that obviously it's not just games. Some of the best things that have ever been created tend to be where the writer or team of writers have done their work in creating such a world mm. that is vast. Yeah. Prime example, may not be everybody's cup of tea, mm-hmm. but Harry Potter. Yeah. I know it's controversial right now, but it doesn't take away the fact that that's an amazing set of books. My personal opinion, it got ridiculous towards the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, of the books. Of the books, just because you're forced to... It's like since Game of Thrones came along, it's like become fashionable to kill off things that people are attached to. Yeah. So it's it's ridiculous. But J.K. Rowling was doing that years ago. Mm-hmm. So you you become invested in the the law and the world because it let's listen. It was cracking. Some of the best things that I love about the Harry Potter things are people that are not even the main characters. Yeah, I remember you discussing this. Um, is it Prisoner of Azkaban? Serious Black? Prisoner of Azkaban yep. is a work of art. And then his character... Well, I mean, spoilers. His character was <laughs> wasted in the next book. Absolutely. I mean, as in killed, not not Absolutely, But not just that. It gets on. It gets worse. You yeah. become attached to to characters like Remus. Yeah. Remus gets mugged off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets mugged off. And then it just gets long. The list of carnage gets longer and longer, and it just served no purpose mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. But that aside, some of the the I don't think enough props go to the writing teams mm-hmm. at like Bioware, for example. Yeah. Anybody who knows me, everyone knows I'm a loyal WoW player, but for me, I will drop everything in a heartbeat mm-hmm. for Dragon Age. Yeah, because the law in that is expansive, is vast. It's incredibly entertaining. Just reading the encyclopedias that they've released with it. They're massive, by mm-hmm. the way. They've done comic adaptations into a hardback, massive book. I mean, mm-hmm. these are weighty things. I press flowers with these books. Yeah. They're that big, <laughs> right? Then they're the obvious things where you want to transition that to a role-playing game. Mm. And they did do that. Yeah, they did, yeah. But for me, if I was... The, the lore in it is just vast i mean this has been through me through this has been with me through years i mean mm-hmm. we're talking fan fiction i've written fan fiction just mm-hmm. because it's so vast and it can't it can't stop mm-hmm. i just don't want it to stop 
How does that depth of lore influence the way you either enjoy playing or play the game? Does it just give it that kind of rich background which makes it even more sort of believable within the context of the world? Yeah, because even the music. Yeah. Even the music, you know, if you, like, working away, whatever, you've got the soundtrack. I always listen to the soundtrack no matter what I'm doing, just as I would listen to an album. Mm -hmm. You know exactly where you were Mm -hmm. on every single track. You know exactly where you are. The same can be said about Warcraft music because that is epic. Yeah. Epic. But Dragon Age, you know where you are on everyone. And if you listen to the very first, so Dragon Age Origins, mm-hmm. it's very basic. It's very, it's very basic. Mm-hmm. But then the game was compared to what technology we have today. Yeah. Then you walk through them and you think, mm, not too good. The sequel, this is the sequel. Mm-hmm. Wasn't too attached to that. Mm-hmm. Um, not too attached to the next one. But then they start hitting you with Inquisition. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're back because graphics are tight. Yep. Lore is tighter. And the music is just sublime. Mm-hmm. And you get downloadable content, which takes the journey on forever. Yeah. So, for me, the law, it just, it, of all of the races, that, I'm, I'm saying all of the races, but there's not that many races. It's the countries. It's where you're from. Yeah. In the counties, the hierarchy, the, the lairds, the thanes. You so, know, so, all these different areas, the, yeah. what, they've all got their own sort of myths and legends and yes. backgrounds and what have you. Yes. So, it's not just the overall world which makes it so rich. It makes, makes it feel so makes it feel culturally rich. It's yeah. the fact that each location has its own little sort of yeah. fables and bits of I think so. You see, I have exactly the same kind of um, fondness for the history of the Warhammer world, the old yeah. world, the build up. The original history, I've got to say, actually, from the original war book uh, from the 80s. Um, I mean, I do quite like what they've done with it since then, except for the fact they did the end times and destroyed the old world, which is something I will never forgive them for. Uh, <laughs> although, soon, to, to, be fa- to be fair, I know. Thank you. <laughs> although, to be fair, they are going back and doing like a, a rehash of it. Uh, yeah. Gage Workshop's doing some official old world stuff, which they're still working on. I never on. understood that decision. I didn't either, because the Age of Sigmar, uh, Age of Sigmar is a, actually a really good game. Mm. We played it at um, actually Nottingham when we went up a couple of years ago, and I've got the rules, and the rules are fantastic. It's a wonderful little skirmish game. Miniatures are cool. The designs are fantastic, and it's, it's across mortal... It's, it's called the, the Mortal Realms, I think it's called. It's across the different planes of existence. It's almost like a war in heaven. And that is excellent, and I quite like that. But it didn't need to destroy the old world to do that. Mm. And it really felt a little bit cheap, like, your world's dead now, come and play this. You know, come and spend your money on this now. I think the most and interesting... And that was account. annoying, because... You, you, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Okay. You had this wonderful, massive history of, uh, of of the Warhammer world. And not only that, you had some wonderful stories, individual stories. Drakenfels, uh, the Ghost Rock and Felix stuff, which is, well, what, which say, is my favourite. Doesn't Gotrix live there now? Well, he, uh, well he was supposed to, <laughs> be, he was supposed to be defending <laughs> this portal against demons, but now he's actually on the mortal realms. He wants to have a word with people. But, uh, you know what I mean? Because it's a bit miffed. Because he's not dead yet. Where is so my axe? So he's like, hang on a second. Why am I not dead? Because um, that, that was his goal at the end of the day. If I'd read, if I'd, if I'd read, read a Go Trek and Felix book, and Go Trek had died mm. in the in the proper explosive manner, like he actually, like, I don't know, bum rushed a demon into a volcano or something, and then Felix wrote about that and then said, "Oh, that's the end." I'd have been perfectly fine with that, but no, he's still alive. Anyway, th- that's completely besides the point. The, the fact is, that all these different locations, the history of the Empire, Britannia, um, all these different areas. Um, I've got their own rich history. I mean, that history is all tied up in bloodshed and war and mm-hmm. intrigue and mutations and, and, and corruption and that sort of stuff. But it's history nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And because that was strangely intertwined with actual, actual 
history. It's kind of like pre-Renaissance, 14th, 15th century uh, Europe. It's Ghent. So, yeah, basically. So, you, 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 so you've, you've got this actual real-world analogy, which, is actually, which you can actually compare it to. I mean, you only have to sit uh, and watch the film, uh, what's it called? Um, it's a Paul Verhoeven film with um, Ruka Hauer. Oh, my Lord, I'm quite embarrassed that I don't actually remember what it's called. But anyway, it's that set in the same sort of period. And because, as soon as you get that kind of visual cue, immediately it's got depth. Immediately it's got history and uh, it's got... Um, I don't know, it just feels so real yeah. in, in many respects. It didn't take its task too seriously. I mean, it's, it's, it bought it was very, there's a bit of a Monty Python sort of very satirical, cynical edge to it. Classes, but it's still fantastic. The classes as well... Yeah. Or slightly more relatable, possibly. The classes Apart and, from, and the know, careers, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you had your you had your normal sort of races, you had human elves, halflings, and blah blah blah. You basically you, you, your standard, dare I say, it, fantasy slash D and D tropes. But then that was subject um, that was subverted by all the careers that these different people could do, and it was really weird. Cause you had all these really cool careers like mm. bounty hunter and uh, witch soldier, finder. witch finder, which is a terrible class. But then you can also be a rat catcher, why? <laughs> an agitator. Basically, somebody standing in the street minute. going agitator. Agitator is really We've cool. We talked about this. We talked about that. Agitator. I think that's agitator. Not that's what Felix used to be. Yeah. He's sounding more and more like a bard. No, I'm sorry. No, he's, you're saying he's an agitator is someone who stands in the street, an a-hole. He had his life side, <laughs> he got drunk, and he agreed to... He was he, an he a-hole. Agreed to, no, he that was his class. class. That was his class. And if you let that get out, everyone will want to play that class. There we go. But he was a bard with a sword, it didn't work, I no, don't get it. No, he wasn't he a bard. He sang songs and wrote poems. He wrote poems and he wrote stories, but he was only there to write, to write his doom. Any other game that would be a bard, it and you know be. it. But this, is, but this is Warhammer, you don't use the word bard. There you go. But um, but yeah, be, but because of that, it gave it it gave it that sense of, of realism. It gave it, it, it gave it its sense of internal logic. Mm. And that's what's fantastic. You'll, you'll get that with a lot of settings. I mean, I'm just looking on my shelf at the moment. You've got the history and lore of Star Wars. You've got the, um, the Star Wars role-playing game there. I mean, of course, it's Star Wars. There's so much lore and background in that. It's massive. You've got Star Trek. Um, oh, what else am I looking at now? Uh, you've got all the Cthulhu stuff. I mean, and then you've got your different settings of d and I mean, there you've got Kryn. We've got um, Forgotten Realms. They've got this huge, wonderful... Um, sort of colourful, expansive lore. And going back and reading that, it also gives you flavour. I found that actually reading those, reading the backgrounds of things gives it a lot of flavour. So I when do. I'm actually coming to run the game, if I get into that, if I sit down and read a few a couple of short stories or, or read something about the background of the setting, it gets, it gets me in the mood. Otherwise, I'm just going to be standing there saying, OK, you walk down the street, there's a couple of trees, there's a, there's a dog who's obviously just wet himself, and there's a big bar, what do you want to do? What? What? What, what are you talking about, John? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but now, that, when it's got background and it gets feeling and, and you get into the, the atmosphere and the design and the aesthetic of it all, then you can describe, you go down the cobbled streets, it's quite a well-affluent area and it's built in the style of a 14th century manor house and blah, blah, blah. And that immediately gives it depth. Um, it's also best as well, in, in my own experience, if the players also read that history... As long as the history that they're reading is not having a direct impact on the game that we're going to, to run. Well, I think they have to be enjoying it. That's, the, that's what we're and, talking and that's about. And that's the thing. Otherwise, the, all they're doing is saying, yeah, all you're, doing, you, all you're doing is pushing a piece, a miniature around a table. And I think that that's true. And it's because if you're caught, like, sorry to go back to it, but if we go back to Dragon Age, I found it all very relevant. Mm-hmm. 
I'm British. We've got a very rich history and it felt very parallel to it. Mm -hmm. And I feel that I could relate a lot more to it because of the feudal system yeah. that it uses. I felt very relatable. I I have, I love, I was always against playing Skyrim. Mm -hmm. I'm always, like I told you, I'm always, a t I'm a team player. You're either this or this. Yeah. You're never both. Yeah. So I put off playing Skyrim for many years and I've, I've just started playing it. Mm -hmm. On the Switch. On the Switch. Yeah. And I started playing it, and I think it's very immersive. I think it's beautiful. The music, mm. the land. Um, it's not up there for me with, with Dragon Age. Dragon Age is very set, and there's a beginning, and there's an end. Skyrim, mm -hmm. there, it doesn't feel like there is. Yeah, it's very and then you've got the online version, which I play also. Mm. But I think for me, I like a beginning and an end. Yeah. Because then you feel that you're ready for the next thing. And then with Bioware, what they do is, and that's why they're so clever. Because when they're working on Dragon Age and they've given you enough downloadable content, they'll pause that. Mm -hmm. And then they'll start working on Mass Effect. Yeah. Which is the same story, but science fiction. Yeah. To me, it's the same thing. The first three if Mass Effect played, games I really enjoyed. If you've played both games, you know yeah. that you're switching it up for space. Mm -hmm. And it's the same kind of thing. It's the gameplay is the same, everything's the same. I don't have much investment with Mass Effect that I do with Dragon Age because I'm a fantasy girl. Mm -hmm. uh, science fiction is not really for, for, for me. Mm -hmm. I love it, don't get me wrong, but it's for me it's fantasy. Mm -hmm. So that's what gets me. And I'm very childlike as well about those things. I will read anything fantasy-based. It, 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 people will roll their eyes up, but there's a, there's a book um, series called the Mercy Thompson book series, mm -hmm. and she's a mechanic. But she's a coyote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I stay with happened. me. Stay yeah, with me. On. So she's a, <laughs> <I'm> she's <trying. laughs> she's a coyote werewolf type thing, mm -hmm. and then she's like outcast because they're quite a weak race. So she's raised by a pack of like werewolves. But the law that's in this, unless I can see on your face, this is proving my point exactly. To tell someone about it doesn't hook them. They want. They need to get involved with the law of it to make it. A mm -hmm. valuable experience and something that they like. Yeah. I mean, Witcher. Witcher is a fantastic example mm -hmm. because I read the books before playing the game, mm -hmm. but watching you watch the uh, Polish TV show. Yeah. Which, which I've got to say, it's highly underrated. Yes. It's actually, it, I mean, it is cheap and it's a bit nasty. But it's actually very, very entertaining yeah. in, in many respects. But that's because it was made by real fans yeah. and, and it felt very authentic. Very, I think that they would have got it nailed. Netflix have got a lot of money. Yeah. So, you know, Although they the did make a fantastic that show. That is a fantastic show. And I'm glad show. that I read the books before, though, because I would have been confused yeah i can see and, and, and i've read it and uh, seen the reviews and people sort of getting a little bit confused i mean it was confused in the way they jumped around in time but that's what happens lines. in the books yeah. you can understand but this you got also got to remember as well in the books it's a sequence of short stories and he's so, recovering in his right? recovery from well, in the first book anyway the last wish so it's a secret it's, like, it's more of a sequence of short stories but no i thought the show was extremely hard. i had I, I, I had my um reservations of cavill playing and especially that first um costume test where he just looked like he was cosplaying legolas that was awful 
but then actually <laughs> seeing him on screen, uh, I, I was even bothered about the size of him. I mean, Henry Cavill's a good-looking guy, and he's a, he's a, he and he's a proper a hench as well. Guy, yeah. I mean, wow, he is hench. He is yeah, hench. These, these moments, looking at, looking at the way oh, that he looks <laughs> in the picture makes you question your own sexuality. <laughs> That's how cool he was. But a, a couple of episodes in, I was fine with him looking the way they did, and his voice was absolutely spot on. He nailed on. it, but do you know why? The guy was absolutely brilliant. Do you know why? Because he's a massive gamer nerd. Because he's a role player. I know. And he also plays Warcraft. I know. And didn't, didn't he say, I think it was on the Graham Norton show, that he almost missed his phone Superman. call from inside about Superman? Yeah. Because he was, do, he was, he was in doing, a dungeon. He was, he was in a raid. Do not stop us when we're in a raid. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I don't care who you are, I'm I'd in a raid. I'd still love to know what I reckon he's alliance through and through. That wouldn't surprise me, actually. He is a blue, isn't yeah. he? But, Without um, a doubt, he, yeah. he's uh, for the alliance. He's propaganda. I think as well uh, during the lockdown, he's been painting his miniatures as well. Yeah, he's a nerd. He's, he's been doing his forty k miniatures. He's one of us. So, one uh, of us. One of us. <laughs> but uh, no, he's proper cool. But anyway, um, we digress. We do, certainly do. When I found a bit of a Henry Cavill <laughs> fanboy moment there. Wow. So, but but yeah, I mean, all in all, yeah, history and law really, really actually makes it. And. Uh, on another angles of this, one of my favourite games, my favourite movie in the entire world is Alien. Everybody knows that. My favourite games, my favourite computer game, and my preferred sequel to Alien is Alien Isolation. It's an amazing game because everything is absolutely brilliant. It now, was scary. It was That's scary. what it needed to be only. Whereas Dead Space, which I absolutely adore, was jump scary. Alien Isolation was, wasn't jump scary, although there was those moments. It was just long, one long constant string of tension. So it was just awful to play, but absolutely fantastic. And I'm actually proud of my son who actually completed it himself recently. Um, well done, Bruce. But the um, the thing, that, the reason why I got so involved with it, one, it was visually stunning, and the sound and the music and everything was just what I wanted out of an alien game. And two, they really took care to uh, honour the law that had come beforehand. Fans. Absolutely. The, power the detail of, of, of the of the of the noise, the music, the sound, but the visuals were absolutely stunning. Right down to the the marks on the padded walls and the panels on the floor and the the spacesuits and everything. It was such a well done game, and that's because Alien has a history. It has a setting. It has it has its own law, and and that's what made the game for, work for me so immersive. The same could be said for the Warhammer on the God Rest Its Soul, the Warhammer Online Age of Aren't Reckoning. Are they bringing that back? No, there, there's a private server called Return of Reckoning. I'd play that. Uh, I'd play that. But, In a million years, I'd play that. My reservations when I played the game before was it was empty. That was not the problem. Not players. Yeah. I don't care about that. I, I, it was empty it's, of things to do. You had outdoors. But the actual, but the actual game itself was focused on uh, our, uh, RVR, Realm versus Realm, so you know, big PvP battles. And more attention we put onto that than it had into they the actual. They very good. Oh, no, I really enjoyed them. No, they were all balanced. John, you but they stood were really, on top good. of a four and you tipped fire over and the And that side. was really cool. Yeah, and you could get into battles, <laughs> you could take the walls, you could run into, into war part, into, into, into uh, war bands. You had massive sieges as well. Those were really, really good. Mm. And I could have played that to death. But the reason why I was so involved with that was because of the law of Warhammer. So mm. when, I'm, when I'm going into Outdoor, I'm like, it's Outdoor. When I went into that bar and there's. Go Chuck and Felix. Oh my god, that's Go Chuck and Felix! When I'm in Carrick, eight peaks. I'm like, oh my god, it's Carrick! You know what I mean? This is the Dwarven Realms. Arthur, and it's amazing! You know what I mean? That was just spot on for me in every respect. The gameplay wasn't fantastic. The uh, the content was severely lacking. But the game itself, because of what it represented to me as a, as a lover of Warhammer, I absolutely adored it. I absolutely loved it. So I suppose that's what they mean by fans would love this. 
And I think as well though, like I was saying, Outdorf, Outdorf was empty. Mm. Like there was so much there that you couldn't interact with anything. I think there was a bloke standing in the marketplace that sold yeah. dyes. It's, it's one of those and games I where believe it, it was also open and then you're expecting loads of players to be there. But there wasn't loads of players. <laughs> it was like, what's, all the players were out doing the RBR. It's a shame as well, like with online role-playing games, you're there for a reason, mm. and that's because you prefer to play that type of game. Yeah. But you're forced to play with other people. Yeah, oh, no. And that's yeah. what I don't like about it. Like in Warcraft, I love Warcraft, but mm. I'm a single player. Yeah. And Although, forcing you to have when, to, to group up with people to complete sometimes. tasks for me because... Yeah, I love you, mate. No, it's, for me, it's, it's too vast. You want to explore. You want to be, you're not allowed to do everything on well, your own. When we were playing it like 13 years ago together, mm. uh, 12, 13 years ago, and we joined a couple of guilds, and we used to have loads of fun in those couple of guilds. They were really, really good. And we get together for dungeons, get together for raids, and all that sort of stuff. But I realised very quickly that I preferred uh, gaming on my own. Mm. And I'm playing a lot on the PlayStation 4, I'm playing Neverwinter. Mm. And it's free to play. Uh, you don't need PS Now or PS Plus. And it's an excellent game, and it's great fun. And the, I think the reason why I'm enjoying it more than anything is the fact there's loads of single-player content. Yes, you do have to team up with people when you go into dungeons or you go into, into skirmishes and what have you. But you don't... There's just other players. You don't have to interact with them. You don't have to talk to them. You just get stuck in. You just play the game. Mm. It's abs absolutely spot on. What's Vermintide like? Vermintide is fantastic. Vermintide is fantastic. It's it's very linear. It's extremely limited as far as exploration is concerned. But it's basically left for dead, but with man rats. And it's it's fast and it's furious. And it's extremely exciting. And the characters are excellent. And visually, it's stunning. The representation of... Um, of the city and the surrounding countryside and all of that, absolutely fantastic. It's, it's visually, it's exactly what I, what I want Warhammer to look like, mm. and it's stupid and it's bloody and it's gory. And the character interaction is absolutely fantastic. Sounds like they're having constant conversations as they're fighting. It, it doesn't really sound very uh, like it's repeating a lot. Mm. Playing with other players, I have the same issue that I do when I play MMOs. Sometimes it can be an absolute pain, and yeah, a lot of the time I'm playing it with bots because it's just I don't know, I just prefer it with bots. Yeah. So I'm there to experience Warhammer, not to get miffed off by some dude in another country who can't be asked to catch angry, up. Yeah. yeah. So because uh, the moment the game's not, the moment I'm not enjoying it again, I, I just stop playing it. It's simple. That's the reason why I stopped playing quite a lot of MMOs. Again, the reason why I appreciate that game, love it so much, is because it's Warhammer history. Because when they're talking about the, the Skaven, when they're talking about the magic and Sigma and all this sort of stuff, I know what they're talking about. I know the history behind all of that. Mm. Um, I know what the Skaven are like. I know, you know, because I used to. It's Skaven, for God's sake. I mean, they're one of the biggest races in the Warhammer universe, at the old board anyway. I don't know what they're doing in Age of Sigma these days. But, um, and that's why I enjoyed it. Any regular guy, uh, a regular gamer, could be playing away, and as far as they're concerned, they're running around a big city fighting giant rats, hacking things up with a sword, and shooting with, with uh, um, big. Hand cannons, and mm -hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, that's all right, isn't it? We're just shooting stuff up, but to me, it's, it's not that at all. When yeah. you know, it's it's just Warhammer, it just looks fantastic, absolutely love it. I think Warhammer's got so much potential. Um, I don't feel like they've done enough with it. They've got the role playing, I, I, they felt they'd done enough with it, that's why they blew it up. 
Uh, and you've got the new Warhammer 4th edition out now, which I'm hoping to play in a couple of weeks, to be God Black Games, God bless them. Um, that's 4th edition, that's an excellent game. And uh, I never really got on with 3rd edition. 2nd edition was great, so it's a big improvement over 1st edition. But 1st edition will always have my heart. Because the, even though the game system, especially the magic system, is a little bit broken, the rules are a little bit clunky, the book itself is one of the most wonderful role-playing books ever written. Because it explains everything, everything and everything you need in there. Not only the game rules and the bestiary, which is huge, a wonderful adventure. They've got a massive world section, which tells you about the history of the world, the gods, and all these different locations all over the all over the old world. Mm. And that's what gives it its lore and depth. Mm. And that's why it's such, it's such an amazing book. And I, I find it difficult to find books that have that level of commitment to creating a world. Yeah. I think because I'm struggling with that at the minute, I think... I love to read, but I mm. haven't picked up a book for so long because I don't think I'm going to find a world that I'm going to settle in. Mm. I have to be fully immersed That's in what I'm reading, or I will stop. They, uh, and they I, I have cannot to... find anything right now that grabs me mm. and says, "This is you're going to want to read three of these. Yeah. The book has, first and foremost, all the book has to do for me is to make me suspend my disbelief. If there's anything happening in that book, what I'm thinking, that doesn't, that doesn't clock right, then I'm Don't just going to lose it. I'm out. Yeah. I'm going to lose interest. When you create a world, when anybody creates law, when they create the world, when they create the rules of the world, they have to stick to those rules. If your rule, if your world does not have an internal consistency, and it doesn't obey its own rules. I'm going to go, I'm out, I'm sorry, I'm done. Because now, just to get your characters through certain areas, or the wow factor, or, all oh, plot twist, they'll chuck something in, you know, oh, magic sword, and it does this. Yeah. It's like, I don't care anymore. That's why, I know we spoke about this last time, but that's why I think still on top of it for fantasy books for me is the Dragonlance Chronicles. Yeah. They're timeless. You see, I, ch oh God, here we go, an admission. I loved those books when I was younger, but I tried to read them again recently. And, and it was I hard. Found them extremely it was, tiresome. It, it was hard. I think my tastes have changed yeah. in the last 30 years. I also tried to read those books about, is it Miles Forsark? Uh, Miles Forsark, of course again. Yes. What, the, uh, yes. Those They're are fantastic very, books. Very, very yeah. good books. Yeah. Bit of science fiction, but I think it was because it was science fiction that and, I was and out. He was such a clever character because yeah. physically he couldn't and, and what have you couldn't do much, mm. and so he, he, it was his wits that got him through it. It's a bit like bit like Tyrion Lannister and like Matthew Shardlake from the Shardlake yeah, novels. Absolutely. If anybody has not read them, they are superb. Mm. They're murder mysteries set in Tudor times. Yep. And he's a hunchback lawyer, and he gets put in some really difficult decisions, yep. some situations by Henry VIII. And I mm -hmm. think it's a fantastic thriller. It's fantastic when those characters are like that. I prefer those kind of characters because they're, character. they're much flawed. more... He's flawed. Yeah, because I don't want characters who are perfect teeth, blonde hair, and oh, I'm going to save the world, yeah. and you know, please hang off my leg whilst I wave this flag. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm done with characters like that. I need flawed, different, twisted, you know what I mean? Stuff that's the, characters. Yeah, characters that actually stand out, Realistic. and, and I, I, I can't remember. It's what I read. I, I didn't actually get to the end of the books, but there was some point where Miles Bukosikan actually mm. has surgery, which corrects Ruins all his problems, it. and that was it. Then What's I, the I, point I checked out. It's like, yeah, it's I, he was getting by by his wits, and, but mm. now he can do what everybody else does. So he's just a, just a smart hero. Mm. And, and no, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not down with that. I think as well, you've got 
there's a lot of things I think that we've grown up that are making a comeback now. So we've got Dune. Yes. Talking I'm really about, excited oh, about that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in, I think I'm, I think it's last week alone I read a couple of articles and actually physically wet myself. I'm really excited to see this. It looks like everybody 100% committed to this film. I honestly think it's probably the, the only film I've ever seen in my life where I'm going to have to go into the cinema actually wearing adult nappers because I am going to shit my pants. It's the, just the designers. If they don't get a nod for this, because it's a, it was, well, it used to be, in the original, it was a very complex world that they visually created. In the original movie. And I think they're going to try, they're going to stick to that, but want to put their own stamp on it. So I, I'm I very think, interested. I think Villeneuve is going to steer very, I mean, looking at some of the screenshots... I think Villeneuve's going to steer quite far away from what they did in the original film. And that's something I'm getting a bit tired of, to be honest with you, in a lot of the write-ups. They're saying the, the Dune remake, it's not a remake. It's got nothing to do with the Lynch movie. As much as I enjoyed that movie, because it was visually stunning, the designs in that were fantastic. It's really weird, otherworldly sense to it. But it's not a remake. It's a, it's a, it's a new adaptation oh, so it, of the original material. Yeah. So he's not remaking uh, Lynch's Dune at all. Yeah. Um, there might be some difference. Absolutely, there's going to be a lot of differences. Do you know the other thing I'm quite interested in, and this is a complete swerve, but I'm really wanting and eagerly waiting for a Kingdom series three. What, Last Kingdom? No, Kingdom. Oh, oh, the Korean yeah. thing. I'm sorry, but the first two series of that talking about oh my god, constantly checking Netflix. I'm absolutely, constantly Netflix. well, they are definitely going to do it. But they have to. Constantly blew my mind. That first series just absolutely wiped me out. And that those last few scenes uh, in the first series um, was just stunning, and I didn't know what to expect when the second series started. But it literally picked up, it up. exactly yeah. where the first, and it just carried on. It's like this is never going to stop. It, it wouldn't slow down. Mm. And those last two episodes were just some some of the most stunning um, yeah. filmmaking I've ever seen it's for, for TV but shows. That's, anyway, that's it's just amazing. That's Korean for you. They're, yeah. they're like, this is going to be a journey. Did, this really is going to be was. a journey. We're going to blow your mind. And we are not going to tell you if it's going to be a happy or sad ending. In yeah. fact, 98% of it will be a sad ending. Yeah. Although, so yeah. buckle up, Buckhart. That was quite a lot of sadness. <laughs> but yeah, it was really good. And it's the same, I know I uh, misunderstood earlier, but The Last Kingdom, uh, mm. originally on BBC, then took over by Netflix. And Netflix done an absolute, you can see the change from the BBC. Do you not think it's a little bit like Vikings? No, not at all. Yeah. You see, I enjoy Vikings. Yeah, but I, I, I enjoy Vikings, it? yeah. I, I know this is their last season, but I think they made the right choice making this the last season because it is running out of steam. And as much as I enjoy hearing about Ragnar's sons, it's, I don't know, the historical accuracy has gone out the window now. I didn't so like Ragnar. I actually quite like Ragnar. As a Ragnar. female. Oh, yeah. well, I was oh, like, God. this man is, oh, God, is God, not the, a keeper. The guy was an absolute dick. <laughs> yes. But excellent character, and it's just extremely, extremely well made. But the historical accuracy has gone out the window. So I'm not interested. Really? Yeah, I'm not interested in the historical accuracy now. I'm interested in the drama and what's happening really? on the screen. Yeah, I think so. That is terrible. It's, well, yeah, considering the, the fact it's on the History Channel, you'd have thought that they're trying to be harder. Exactly, but do you know what? Whereas, I'm where, sorry, whereas the Last Kingdom, um, it's complete fiction. It's not sharp, sharp. It's complete fiction. You know what I mean? He's made. He's made up a character. Oh, now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I won't have people I'm, talking shit about I'm, sharp. I'm sorry, but Sean B. He's the no. only. He's the only real sharp. He is. So, but no, they've done a fantastic job, and that's another wonderfully entertaining mm. show. And I think as well is that you've got, you've got yeah, if you've got Sharp, and you've got, you had Hornblower at the same time, mm. Robin Hood. Yeah, I enjoy. I really enjoyed Hornblower. I've, I've got them all on DVD. I've got all those Cad File. Cad so I'd, File. I'd, I'd, I would pick all those different things up because I knew, yeah, there was historical connotations, but they weren't one hundred percent accurate. Mm. So I wasn't watching it to 
Oh no, I don't want to watch Vikings now. I'm not watching Vikings so I can get my PhD in Vikingology or whatever it's called. Oh, that's you know what I mean? Works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Open University, for recommending it. But um, no, it's the same with those sort of stuff. You've got made-up characters in there, and then so as soon as you're watching a made-up character interacting with history, you know it's going to be crap. You know, it's, you know that they're talking crap. So you're just watching it for the entertainment value. That's exactly what I get out of them. Sharp, Hornblower, um, Last Kingdom, mm. with Uther, sort of Uther. Sorry, Uther, sorry. Do you know what I like? Sorry, I'm talking about Uther, sort of God almighty, some fan. Like Master and Commander. Excellent stuff. Excellent. Again, completely made up. Brilliant, brilliant film. You're blowing my mind right now. I'm sorry, but it's a fantastic film. In fact, that film, I think, was actually a combination of two films. And the actual film that we should have watched was during the War of 1812, I think it is. He's not chasing a French um, ship, he's actually chasing an American ship. Oh, so controversial! Th- not, well, not really. They actually balanced that out by saying that the actual ship itself that the French had was actually built in the Boston Dock. But they would never do that. But they wouldn't do that. Because, no. You know, pff, yeah. Uh, don't want to offend the Americans. But um, so what, French? <laughs> yeah. What? Come on now, so, John. I'm, I'm a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so which countries are we? Are we? Are we not to <laughs> to offend? But um, brilliant film. Really, really well made film. Stunningly atmospheric. The opening five minutes well, alone is sure. just. Blew my mind, and mm. the reason why I'm in love with that film is one, I went to see it three times at the cinema in two weeks because it just completely stunned me. And two, it was the first film that I had on DVD on my old Alba oh DVD my player God. that I played when I had my sat surround sound system installed in my flat. Do you know when people talk about DVDs now? I'm getting the same feeling like I did for VHS. VHS, yeah. I'm like, I don't know whether to be friends with you if you're buying DVDs. Indeed. Have you never heard of streaming? Oh my, my God! <laughs> what, you know, Blu-ray. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? you? Got Amazon account. You can wear it wherever you want. Oh, you've only got 1080 HD. Oh my God! Goddamn Stone Age freak. So it's all joking aside. I can't be friends with you if you buy DVDs. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but the, but the thing is, the way my eyesight's going at the moment. Yes, it's lovely to go out and buy Blu-ray and all this high resolution, but I can hardly see Blu-ray anyway. I've, I've <laughs> so DVDs are fine. Never with me. been a thing with me. But I just like the convenience of not having a stack of DVDs. Yeah, There's something no, about it like, I can't bear on my, it. On my table here, I've, all my favourite DVDs, my alien stuff and what have you, is in the corner here. I love to, I still love to have them physically, so I can physically see them as part of my collection. But I know what I'm like. At some point, I'm going to buy all those on a streaming service. Mm. and then. But I'm still going to end up watching but them on DVDs. I, I like putting them on I'm the, the same machine with, with and, Batman. I'd, I'd yeah. be a total hypocrite, because if it's Batman, no matter what... Yeah. I've got it. Yeah. And that goes in the play. Batman and Jet Li. Yeah. I think I've got all of Jet Li's films on VHS. You see, that's what I'm trying to do at the moment. I'm trying to relocate my uh, original Alien VHS cassettes. They've got I, to be there somewhere. I want the ones, I want the original releases mm. from the 80s. Uh, and I wouldn't mind getting my hands on the, uh, the the original widescreen releases, as it was meant to be seen. You know, do you remember the adverts with Die Hard and stuff? <laughs> As it would meant to be seen, because like when you used to watch stuff, yeah, <laughs> when you used to watch stuff about um, on, on VHS back in the eighties, everything was pan and scan. Hmm. So, but now that? then you had the letterbox, and people used to complain. I remember sitting down and watching the film. Not going to say who it was, put the film in. They said, "What? Those black bars, top and bottom? Oh, it's widescreen. We're missing half the picture. Oh. Are you kidding me? Are oh. you kidding me right now? Right? <laughs> Sorry, get out of my house." Thing is, as well, do you know, VHS and Blockbuster, yeah, right? Oh, I, I lived in fear of not rewinding my video and taking it back, and <laughs> it wasn't rewound. Should have been kind, <laughs> should have been kind. Rewind, yeah. yeah. I used to do that. I used to get off, go finish work, get yeah. off at Baker's Arms in Leighton. I used to go into the only Blockbusters that was there, and I think in the whole of East London, I used to go in there, get a video, and take it home. Yeah, I used to love going to the video store. 
Absolutely yeah, but now I would never do that. No, I would. I now would. I still love to do that. I am a total home bunny I'm now. Probably, probably, I love probably, having streaming things on the on the TV. Well, you remember when when we first met? My wall was was basically a wall of VHS. Yes, and we that? talked about it. Yes, we did, and then they all went before you moved in. So no stress. <laughs> but uh, don't say. <laughs> but so, I had what five hundred VHS cassettes. I just want to make this clear that I did not make you get rid of those. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. Okay. But we just needed the space. I mean, it was literally one wall in my house was... It yeah, was just a tiny sets. space. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I used to, there used to be three films that I used to watch uh, when I used to come home from a night out. And it was either um, Starship Troopers. Oh, terrible. Yeah. Uh, Starship Troopers is brilliant. Aliens. Because okay. it's aliens. And aliens. Robocop. Yeah, aliens. Robocop. I and find Robocop. it very hot. I have never watched. I've only watched the first ten minutes of Robocop once in my life. To be fair, the first I ten minutes is probably it. enough to put you I off. I cannot do it. But it is a fantastic film. Really, really. It is an absolutely fantastic film. It really, really is good. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, but there. I miss my VHS days. Mm. Um, I'm, I remember having all of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine on VHS. Yeah. Every single episode. Because I don't understand that. Why? It's Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It's not, I don't, we're it's always going to disagree on this. We're always going to disagree ever. on this. That's incorrect. Why, what's yours then, Lisa? I would like the classics, the, the original, original series. series okay. And if I absolutely had to pick another, it would be the next gen. Okay. Absolutely. I cannot go any further. I think we should just agree to disagree. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. I love <laughs> the next gen. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely adore it. Absolutely no. brilliant. But the next, the Deep silly Space Nine. With the Bajorans and the, the test. The test glass security man. What? The test glass? Yeah, he was like a bit of gloop that used to mould himself was into it? stuff. Yeah. Like Frodo Baggins or whatever his name Odo. was. Odo. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, it's not for me. I'm sorry, no. I thought it was absolutely spot on. Absolutely. Jem Hadar. Love that name. Yeah, Jem Hadar were excellent. Love that name. But again, with every Star Trek bad guy, they have to make them nice in the end. So that in the end, there was, there was some kind of okay Jem Hadar. But they did that to like Klingons. Like in Voyager, the chemical species 81297, I think it was, I can't remember, the three-legged ones. And they were a massive threat because they come from the liquid universe. It's like, oh my God, they're going to destroy everything. But they, and then, and then they, they did out, that they were, to they Klingons. Caught. They did that to Klingons. Yeah, but that, that was, uh, that, I think that was subvertive because you came into the next generation expecting, oh God, what the Klingons up to? Turns no, out, I didn't because I, I think, watched um, the original films. I know, but then the Klingons had actually chilled out. They were still massive warlike dickheads, but they were they were also a bit more, you know, amenable to other races. There's so until much, the Civil War and things went to There's so much coming out now, I think. It's like we've waited for the end of COVID for the really cool stuff to come onto T V as yeah, well. Yeah. So you've got another season of Umbrella Academy. Mm -hmm. I am so excited. I didn't watch the first one. You should. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you've got loads of DC stuff coming out, and I know I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, there's a lot of DC stuff I'm looking forward to. There, I'm, I, am, I am a little bit burnt out on superheroes. I know we, we've just done a massive watch of all the um, Marvel Cinematic Universe films, mm -hmm. all the way up to Endgame, now that we've got Disney+. Plus. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of burnt out and all that sort of thing. There's not a I'm, I'm looking for something fresh and new, and I don't know where to find it. Although what we do in Shadows at the moment is oh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Oh my God, that is just stunning yeah. bit of filmmaking. Talk about Tizzy. I'm sorry, dude. You, oh my God, you've done an but amazing job. But he's cast job. well. He cast British. He I'm cast sorry. well. Yeah. This is this is it. If you look at it, you sometimes think, uh, you know, like 
I don't. If you had to pick a favourite character, I don't know who that would be. Yeah. I generally don't I really know who don't. that would be because I love Nandor. Yeah, but I like Na- the way he says uh, Nadja. Yeah, Nadja. <laughs> Nadja is absolutely Nadja. brilliant. Nadja is bad. Yeah, and Laszlo just makes me laugh out Laszlo loud. is just a genius. He just has to say something stupid. Bat. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's best, but then even like Guillermo, he had a cracking season two. Yeah, yeah, and can we talk about Colin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guest stars they've had in that as well. Mark Hamill. Yeah. Um, Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista. Tilda, Tilda Swinton. Swinton. Tilda Swinton, who still needs to be Elwick of Melny Okay. I'm sorry, she needs to be El- Melny Melny Boney, and she it's needs to Elric be voiced of... of by Mark Strong. What about a follow up like Eric of Marleybone? What? Isn't that some dude that hangs out at the train, train station? station? Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I'm going to have to say no to that. Oh. She would be absolutely <laughs> stunning. She would be absolutely stunning. Mm. And yes, I know it's a woman, but... Who cares but about El- that these Elric, days? But Elric, in, in the book, he, he came across as very androgynous. Well, and I, th- I think she'd be absolutely... If she can play the Archangel Gabriel, she can bloody play Elric and Melanie Bone. I think she'd be absolutely fantastic at it. We've also got Doom Patrol. Yes. Doom Patrol. With Brendan Fraser. Is brilliant. Because Brendan Fraser is very important to this world and needs to be protected at all costs. Doom Patrol is absolutely smashing. Mm-hmm. It's out of its box. Yeah. I love it. And it's going to get kooky that's in an, season that's, that's two. That's another one that needs to go and watch. You really do. Yeah. Because, um, I don't know, DC have always been better at TV programmes. Mm. Um, but the films are starting to yeah, just crack it Wonder out Woman now. and Aquaman, they were both good. I enjoyed them both. Right, there's more, you know. I know, but they didn't like them as much. Although, to be fair, Man of Steel was pretty good. Let's be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man of Steel was that, that opening 20 minutes of Man of Steel is absolutely amazing absolutely Back fantastic in. I remember there was a massive kick off about Man of Steel because they felt that the 10 minute fight that two titans had at the end in yeah. like Metropolis yeah. was uncalled for and the amount of carnage and damage and then I was, was, to be honest. I was watching Thor yeah. the other day and I'm like no yeah, one yeah, is saying yeah, yeah, what carnage was in Thor when he goes to the, the metal thing goes to the town with the you know the guard the Asgard guardian oh in the first film completely oh, right, destroys gotcha. that little town yeah but that's, yeah, but that's, that's thing, a little town but look at the carnage that is in all of the Avengers films yeah but it's the, built, which is the yeah, actual point of but it's, it but it's built up to that but is that because someone asked the question in the last film what do you mean do you not think that we've destroyed a lot of buildings yeah let's wipe out half of every person <laughs> let's Probably. make a film about us being really sorry about well, it wasn't really a film about them being sorry about it, although obviously they were, especially after what Scarlet Witch did uh, in that town. Yeah, but they still made a part of the team, which was crackers. Yeah, I know, but that was after it had already gone to pot. I think it wasn't really a choice, it was lack of options. But the actual, um, yeah, I know. That's an awful thing. Well, the thing is, there wasn't that many... <laughs> You're only here because we didn't have a choice. Well, they didn't have, there wasn't that many enhanced people in the world. And like all these people were sort of coming out of the woodwork and they were... Then no, they just discovered that there were space aliens. <laughs> you know what I mean? The whole world literally changed in a matter of a few years. I read a really good interview today with Kenneth Branagh, yeah. our Lord and Saviour. He says that he the, was under a lot of pressure to get Thor right. Yeah. Because it was going to be the breakthrough that mm. Marvel needed yeah. in order to bring in space creatures and Thanos because that's the connection if yeah. it didn't go right yeah. it would have yeah. sucked mm-hmm. so the amount of pressure they put on themselves to cast right they had to cast Thor and Loki right mm-hmm. otherwise it was going to tank yeah 
and they ummed and ahed for so long about it and they're like no these are the guys yeah and it really did work no it's fantastic i can't imagine really, anybody really else doing it. it and branner did a fantastic job he did but he put three years of his life mm -hmm. into making that film and yeah. i think watching it back yeah it's not appreciated enough but then saying that the opening sequence of krypton in man of steel that i think Just came out around about the same time to me, was superior. Was, I love you, Ken. It was absolutely but, stunning. Yeah. It, that, that was some of the best cinema. I, it was my pleasure to sit down and just watch it ever. Just to see Krypton and blew to see, me away. And just the actual... The ball's enough to say, okay, this is Krypton. Look, I think it's turned to crap. Fight. But you knew that. You know what I mean? You, oh, my God. You knew that Krypton wasn't... Don't get attached to, to Krypton. Yeah. So just you going knew in, that. And that's literally... It was literally going all guns blazing. I think... Oh, my God. We're going to have another Henry Cavill moment. I think he, he was a fantastic Superman. Not so much in, um, you know, Double Justice. That is an, that for me is like Schumacher's Batman and Robin. What? Someone had the audacity to say that Chris Donner was a great Batman, uh, Bat, uh, Robin yeah. today. Okay. And I, I just don't understand. I don't understand how people. He was have like twenty nine. Yeah. <laughs> Robin was a nine year old. Yeah. <laughs> Originally. Originally. But they're not going to put that on the screen now. Why? Are they? Yeah, Why won't do people do that? I don't uh, understand. It, it I, would. Yeah, I would. I would. You probably would, but no. They just people. They just. They're just not going to risk that. They've got demographics. But then ask the questions. Why? Why was? Why was he hanging around with a nine year old and teaching him to throw? Ninja stars and it depends, stuff. I don't know. It depends on where you want to go. Because with that. he was going to do it anyway. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he just helped him along. Through. Well, he was just going to do it. It was either that or he was going to have to watch him die. Mm. So he did. Listen, Batman knows. Yep. It's not for me or you to How question you what he does. I don't know. We're supposed to be talking about the law. Let's the talk about stuff. Batman law. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, I think we're done. So I think that's where we'll wrap it up. I think. Uh, thank you very much for joining me this evening. Yeah, that was lovely. I, I, I mean, it was really, really pleasant, considering the fact that our, you know, you know, my little 10 to 15 minute podcast has actually stretched out now to uh, 45 minutes. So, uh, but yeah, that was incredibly entertaining. Thank you very, very much. Uh, thank you for joining us this evening. Um, can I just say thank you to my lovely wife, Lisa, for joining me this evening? We should invite guests. We should invite guests. And we should get people on. I should figure out a way to I get this to work. I will find these people. Yeah. And then we should sit down and have conversa such conversations. That would be cracking. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for joining. Uh, and, uh, well, it's been a quite a while since episode five. And I think it's taken a couple of months to get episode six out. So I shall most likely see you at Christmas. <laughs> so uh, thanks for joining and see you again soon. Bye-bye.